and welcome back to another episode of Lost It Down. I am your host today, Wally Lukashinsky. Steven is out, unfortunately. We recorded this podcast, ironically, like five hours ago. Whole thing was done, whole hour and a half. But unfortunately, we got to the point where I was editing and for the last three and a half hours, he can't get the file over to me from his computer. So unfortunately, I am going to be recording this podcast alone. So it will just be me again. It will be a short show today just because, like I said, we've already recorded it and now it's only going to be me talking. Not to mention, we're st- I'm starting this right now at one o'clock. So by the time I get this done and edited out and sent out to everybody, it's going to be like eight or nine, uh, maybe, who knows, in the morning on Christmas Eve. So it's going to be a short one. So bear with me, guys. But first of all, I do want to say thank you so much for listening yet, yet again. This is the 16th episode of Loss of Down. Want to wish everybody out there who's celebrating Merry Christmas, Happy Belated Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa. Enjoy it. Love you guys. You're the best. You're the reason why we're doing this. Before we get going, though, this is the problem. I'm a Buckeye fan. You guys got to hear about me. Yet again, we are looking at a college football playoff with Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson in it. And then we usually have a fourth team that a lot of the country will be rooting for because, let's face it, Ohio State, Bama, and Clemson are basically heels at this point. They're always in it, so nobody wants them to succeed. You get Notre Dame. So now you have four of the most unlikable football teams in the entire country playing against each other. I don't care. I'm thrilled about it. As a Buckeye fan, I've been looking for revenge for the last 12 months against Clemson. I hope we get it. I'm looking forward to it. You're going to see or on what is it? January 1st, I will be watching. I will be drinking. I'm going to be miserable. So you'll know that following episode whether or not I am mourning or if I'm in celebration because it's going to be one of two Wallies. So good luck with that. But I do want to start today, before we get to the hair of the dog, before we break down last week and we get to some bets for you this upcoming week, I do want to talk about NHL is back. I'm a big Penguins fan. If you guys know me, I'm a diehard hockey fan. Always have been, always will be. It really is right there with uh, the NFL and college football as my favorite sport. They are adding ads to helmets this year because of COVID and the fact that there's no fans. NHL's the least profitable of the major sports in the United States. They cannot run without fans. So it makes sense that they're going to have to go and look for advertisers to pay for that. What I brought up and I wanted to talk to Steven with, but I'm just going to pose the question to you guys. Do you think we will ever see a NFL with ads on jerseys, ads on helmets? We're already starting to see it in the NBA. We're now seeing it in the NHL, the NHL being a much more traditional league. So the idea of them staying long-term doesn't seem very possible right now. Doesn't mean it won't happen, though. But I just think, yeah, you know what? Maybe we might see that in the NFL. I just hope that they take a similar approach to the NBA, where the advertisers on jerseys typically are something local. Like, I know the Cleveland Cavaliers, they have the Goodyear foot with the, uh, you know, the wing going on it behind it. Because it's an Akron company. It's right there. Akron, Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio, same thing. I'd love stuff like that where, let's say, Pittsburgh, the uh, Steelers, maybe they have a Heinz logo on their jersey or a, what, the lumber company. I can never remember. I think 97 lumber or whatever. Stuff like that. It'd be cool. Just just something to think about. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that in due course. But without Steven, unfortunately, I've got to do some drinking because it is time for the hair of the dog. Now, we always do this hair of the dog segment because, you know, we we have to eliminate some of the 
less desirable games early because you guys don't want to hear us talking about it at ex- disgusting length. So I'm going to breeze through this. I'll stop and talk about a few games because, like, you know, the Raiders are in here. Not a big deal because they're irrelevant and worthless now. And I'm still upset. That's fine. That's fine. Everything's great. Everything's happy. I'm doing awesome. We'll start now with Dallas. They technically stayed alive this last week when they hosted the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers all but basically said, please win this game, Dallas. They had four giveaways. I mean, San Francisco dominated time of possession. They had 167 more yards, but it was simply the turnovers were too much to overcome. The Cowboys now, they need to win out. They need Philly to lose uh, one game. And they played Washington the last week. You'll see why that's a problem with this scenario too. They need Philadelphia to beat Washington in that last game, as well as have Washington lose this upcoming weekend. And they need the Giants to lose once. They're dead in water. Yeah, they're not technically out. They're out. This was miserable. Both of the both of these teams are just excited to get their quarterbacks back, have a healthy offseason, address their problems, and hopefully come next year, everything is better, and they can both be back on track to at least compete in their own respective divisions. I'm going to transition now to, unfortunately, the Thursday night game. The Los Angeles Chargers all but ended the Raiders' playoff hopes. The Raiders lose Derek Carr early in this game to a groin injury. They are now 2-5 and five at the Death Star. Justin Herbert had his seventh game of 300 or more passing yards, which is a rookie record. And with Derek Carr going out, you effectively had the battle of Oregon quarterbacks from the past. If you were an Oregon Duck on Thursday, you were fired up. The nation was watching. Pride of your state, the pride of your university, go head-to-head. And both of those guys had great games. Mariota had the awful pick at the end that probably cost the Raiders a win. Anthony Lynn tried his absolute hardest to make sure that the Chargers had no business even in this game at the end. But the Raiders outcharged the Chargers. They couldn't recover the fumble in their own end zone with less than two minutes left that would have secured the victory. It, it is what it is. If you are a person that understands the five stages of grief, I'm somewhere in like stage two. I think I'm just pissed off right now. I am past denial. That was rough. That was all Thursday night was denial. I felt like I jumped ahead a little bit where I actually was ex- at acceptance for a little bit, but it was it was seriously just denial as well. I didn't really believe that this was over until I really sat down to write this script for the show, and now I'm miserable again. Since the Raiders' last appearance in the Super Bowl in 2002-2003, they are the only team in the NFL with fewer than two winning seasons in that stretch. Just recently, the Cleveland Browns won and made their second winning season in since 2002-2003. And the Raiders could join them. They could, in theory, win these last two games. But considering it's against Miami and considering it's against Denver, I think there's a very good shot the Raiders do end up at 8-8 eight and eight at best. We'll see. We'll see. I really don't want to talk too much more about this. It's still fresh. It still hurts. You go into the latter half of the year, you're 6-3 with the easier, quote-unquote, air quotes, easier part of your schedule. And what do you do? You lose. You look miserable doing it. And now I don't care. I And, and in Raiders Twitter is a cesspool. They think that Derek Carr is the problem because Raider fans are dumb. Sports fans are dumb. Odds are you're dumb. I know I'm dumb. We are not smart people when it comes to sports. We expect perfection. And when you don't get it, you're miserable. That's what we got here. If you don't have Patrick Mahomes, you cannot compare your quarterback to Patrick Mahomes. And it seems like everyone wants to. Derek Carr's not the problem. 
your defense, who's given up like 420 points this year, that's your problem. Address that in the offseason. Don't sit here and tell me the quarterback's the issue. I digress. I digress. On to some happier news. 99% of the country is thrilled and overwhelmed with happiness for the Buffalo Bills. They just clinched their first AFC East title since 1995. They slayed the wicked witch of the East in New England Patriots. Bill Belichick ran Tom Brady out of here. Not really, but we're going to say that because it makes it sound better for a narrative. So congratulations, Bills fans. Josh Allen is lights out better than I expected him to be. I've been so low on him all the way back to Wyoming days. Ironically enough, while he was at Wyoming, I was a huge fan of him until his, his last year. Then I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy can't hit the broadside of a barn. I can't have him be an NFL quarterback. So here we are like four years later, and I'm eating crow and would I, I mean, happily eating crow. Good for him. It looks like bringing in Stephon Diggs was part of the, the real solution there. He had 11 catches for 147 yards. The guy's a beast there. The, the two work really well together. Everyone's happy for Buffalo. I'm sure some of you got to see, but when Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills returned from Denver this week, they were met with a packed airport. Not many teams can say there would be an overwhelming crowd response from a fan base after a regular season win. Yeah, they, they clinched the division. Don't kid yourselves. Nine out of ten football fandoms do not do that. But this was an ass-kicking. The Bills outgained the Broncos 534 yards to 255. The Broncos are apparently in disarray. It looks like disarray. And I want to know, do you guys believe, will Vic Vangio be the head coach in Denver in 2021? Now, I think it's 50-50. There's a lot of smoke in Denver right now saying that Elway's already given Vangio his basically stamp of approval. You'll be back. But that's, that's after a second struggling year here. It only took two for Vance Joseph to get the can. Why would Vic be any different? What I will say is if he does get the can, there will be a line out the door for teams to line up and ask him to be their defensive coordinator. And Lord knows, as a Raider fan, I would be thrilled. So that's something to consider. I'd love to hear what you guys think there. For me, if you made me choose life or death, will Vic Vangio be there in 2021? I say yes. But I think we're about at a coin flip right now. A win against the Raiders in Week 17 might do wonders for Vic to, to really secure the job and have the backing and confidence of the city of Denver going forward. Now, Miami went to New England. Let's scratch that. I'm an idiot. Miami hosted New England. After a very struggling offensive first half, the Dolphins were able to kick it into gear. They, they end up beating the Patriots in a pretty ugly game. But this is a big deal. Why is it a big deal? Because this is the first missed playoff appearance in 12 years for the New England Patriots. Back to all the way to 2008, if you want to find a AFC playoff picture without Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, in that ugly-ass uniform. It should still be the Patriot, the red and white. That should be their uniform, but I'm getting sidetracked. The, the Dolphins' defense is unreal. Yet again, they prove to the world that they have a borderline elite defense. Now, the real question is, can Tua Tagovailoa in that offense do enough to get into the playoffs? This year, I say no. Tua went 20 of 26, 145 yards in a, in a pick. He did have three rushes, nine touch, or nine yards. Nine touchdowns would be crazy, guys. 
He had three rushes, nine yards, and two touchdowns. I'm a little concerned about Tua through the air, not as like a long-term thing, but if we're looking at this in a window, in a vacuum here, that this Dolphins team has two games left in a regular season, I am concerned right now. I'm not pan- pressing panic for the, for the future. But this is his fourth time in his seven career starts to this point where he's failed to pass for 200 yards in a game. With your defense off the field as often as they are with how talented they are, that's not acceptable right now. And to be frank, when you're going up and going to Las Vegas this week, looks like Derek Carr's going to be back. That's a tough game. That's a tough game for that defense because the Raiders have realistically been able to score on everybody this year, unless you're the Atlanta Falcons, which makes a lot of sense. I'm just worried that the Dolphins aren't going to be able to do enough, not to mention when you look at the other wild card teams, their schedules are pretty easy. The Dolphins don't have that luxury right now. They're going to have to win out to get there. I just don't know if they have that ability. Last thing I'll say for the Pats, though, Cam Newton's gone, right? There's no way he's back. So if he's gone, and by the way, what a job by that New England front office, by Bill Belichick, whoever makes that decision to manage to get that that man for a $1 million deal. Wow. Look, you guys look really smart right now. So yeah, well, it'll be interesting. Does Bill and that New England team address this in free agency? Or do we potentially see them maybe move up in the draft? Especially now with the Jets at two, it sounds like they're a little interested to get out of that second spot, get a haul for them. We'll see. Now, one of the teams that the Dolphins are competing with in that wild card hunt is the Baltimore Ravens. They played the Jacksonville Jaguars this week, and they won by about 108. The Jaguars now didn't only lose on the field, but even more importantly, they won. They won off the field because the Jets managed to win a football game, which puts the Jaguars in possession currently of the number one pick. They have a negative 148-point differential. They're not going to lose or win a game down the stretch. They will be picking number one, and odds are that means Trevor Lawrence is going to have to just hop on a plane, go just a little bit south, and he'll be playing in that teal and black in Jacksonville. Good luck. Good luck there. Now, for Baltimore, they look to be clicking on all cylinders again. The defense is pretty solid. The offense is working. In their last two games are against the New York Giants at home, and they're going to Cincinnati. Yeah, Cincinnati just beat the Steelers. That was much more on the Steelers and what they did than what Cincinnati did. The Ravens are going to win those last two games. And right now, ESPN's Football Power Index is giving the Ravens an 87.7% chance to make the playoffs. I agree with them. I think that's a great number. I think they're going to make it. Because it basically just requires a little bit of help. They're going to win those two games. They will be playing in the playoffs. And honestly, without having any expectations as a division winner, maybe this is the best time ever for the Ravens to go to the playoffs. You get to go in feeling good. No one's looking at you like you're going to be a Super Bowl fit or pick. Remember before this season, Colin Coward, people like that, he had a 16 and up. And now all of a sudden, it seems like people have forgotten about this team. So good. I think the Ravens make the playoffs, make a push. We'll see the matchup. We'll address more on the football, like our, our playoff preview show coming up here in a couple weeks. Now, unfortunately for Evan, I know Steven's buddy, he's from Atlanta, and all the other Falcons fans, Tom Brady did it again. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers go to Atlanta. They're down a half, 17-0. They're down 24-7 to with under four minutes left in the third quarter. And all of a sudden, 
You know what happened on social media. You know what happened on the broadcast. You know what everybody was thinking. Oh, no. This is shades of Super Bowl 51 all over again. Brady then brings his troops back, and they win the game. Brady's 7-0 now against Atlanta in his career. Don't see that changing next week in Week 17 when they play again. And now the Bucs, all of a sudden, just like that, they have the inside track to the five seed in a matchup with the NFC East champion. What a huge, huge comeback win. To be playing the Washington football team instead of the Los Angeles Rams or the Seattle Seahawks, that's a big deal. That is a very big deal. Keep an eye there. Looks like the offense is finally working. I've still got a little bit of reservations Long-term about this, I I still think that Brady's over the hill. It's less to me that he doesn't know the offense, and it's a little bit more to me that he just doesn't have that arm talent anymore. Who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. He's Tom Brady, after all. If anybody's going to prove me wrong, shove it up my hoop. You know it's going to be him. Now let's transition over here to Tennessee Titans. Hosted the Detroit Lions this last weekend, and Derrick Henry is in Derrick Henry season. They maintain their division lead. They win 46-25. They right now have the tiebreaker over the Colts because they are 4-1 in division. Assuming they do not lose to Houston, they will keep that tiebreaker. And realistically, they they it's going to come down to the Green Bay Packers. They're going to travel to Green Bay this week. If they win, I think this is their division. If they lose, they need to turn and hope for a little bit of help. Maybe from Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's playing Indianapolis this weekend. I know Pittsburgh's not doing well. But they have more than capable coaching and talent on that team to win that game. But back to Derrick Henry. 24 carries, 147 yards and a touchdown. That's a 6.1 yards per carry average there. We're at that point of the season. You do not want to tackle Derrick Henry when you're 15 games in, you're tired, you're achy, it's cold, it's miserable. I'm not getting in front of a 6'3", 250-pound guy if I can avoid it. And man, the Lions, it certainly didn't feel like they wanted to have any piece of Derrick Henry. And, And I don't blame them. I do not blame them whatsoever. Titans blow them out. Lions are already in that off-season mode. They don't want to be here. This next week, that Packer game is going to be a great matchup. Probably one of the games I'm looking forward to most. I want to change over now to the team that is going to be racing them for that AFC South title. The Indianapolis Colts. They win as Kiki Kote, I want to say. You you heard me struggle a few weeks ago. I cannot name this damn man. I'm like, well, as long as he just stays out of the spotlight, I won't have to worry about it. And then the guy fumbles into the end zone with less than 20 seconds left. And I have to say the guy's damn name. So Kiki Kote, Kote, whatever, fumbles into the end zone. Colts recover. They win. Heartbreaker. Get Deshaun out of Houston. Everyone feels bad. This is miserable. Big question for the Colts, though. Week one, I don't know how many of you remember off the top of your head. They lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Is that going to come back to Hanum? Because I'm starting to think it's going to come back to Hanum. I think the Colts are going to go into Pittsburgh. A little spoiler alert, but I am. I think they're going to go in. I do think they get the job done. They better be watching that Green Bay game tight, though. They're, they've never been bigger Aaron Rodgers fans than they will be this next Sunday night. But even if they are the wild card, some good things, some things to keep an eye on going forward. Colts, they had 20, or their running backs had 21 carries for 126 yards and a touchdown. Very similar to Derrick Henry. That's a six yards a carry average. That's phenomenal. That's something we don't see there in Detroit literally ever, or in uh, Indianapolis literally ever. 
And I, I have, to, I'm actually happy. I just re, I said Detroit because I forgot a stat I want to throw up real quick. So I'm backtracking a little bit here. Bear with me. Matthew Stafford has played 166 games in his his NFL career. He has been accompanied by a hundred yard rusher in 11 of them. That is one game per 16 game season that he has had accompanied with him a hundred yard rusher. And we are sitting here and expecting Matthew Stafford to get the job done in Detroit. For his sake, I hope he gets out this year. I hope he goes somewhere. Steven has been calling New England. I know on our earlier recording of this, he was really emphatic that he's still sticking with that prediction. I could see him possibly even going to some place like Pittsburgh if they do happen to move on from Big Ben or Big Ben does retire this next year. I should also point out that stat for Matthew Stafford was from Paul Hembekides. And <laughs> that guy is the content producer for Get Up on ESPN. So anyways, that I had to give him a little credit there. Get Matthew Stafford out of Detroit. Now transition back. I'm going all over the place. You can't keep track of me. Bang, bang, bang. I'm all over the place. To the Colts. Their final two games are at Pittsburgh and at Jacksonville. If they beat Pittsburgh this next week, it literally just comes down to this. Houston or Green Bay is going to have to knock off that Tennessee Titans team. And lucky for you, at least, the Titans are traveling to both of those places. Yeah, there's not a lot of fans, but there's enough. There's travel. There's all these little things. Green Bay is going to be cold. Any of these little details, who knows? Maybe that's a benefit to the Indianapolis Colts. I'll tell you who I'm picking later when we get to the betting portion because I think I'm going to give a little bit of a wave there. Last, last thing for the Houston Texans, though. The Texans' first head coaching interview was with Jim Caldwell. There's also been rumors today that Marvin Lewis is also getting a job there or also interviewing for the job there. That would have been bad. Got to watch myself there. Something to keep an eye on. Maybe the Texans hire one of those two guys. But that's enough talk about the Texans, about the AFC South in general. I'm going to jump into now. We're done with the hair of the dog. We're done with that. We're done with the speed, speed talk. We're now going to break down into the week 15 recap. Still going to be fast. You guys got to bear with me. It's 1.06 a.m. right now. It's technically Christmas Eve. I want to be drinking myself some beer. I want to be preparing for tomorrow. You all understand. I get it. Plus, you might not even be listening right away. No big deal. To get into the week 15 recap, we'll start with Washington hosting Seattle. Seattle jumped up big. Washington made it a game late. Of course, the backdoor cover, great, awesome. Looked like they might even have a chance to win at the end before Haskins took a couple ill-advised sacks. Not the only ill-advised decision-making on Dwayne Haskins, unfortunately, as he was photographed. He was photographed at a strip club without a mask. He was fined by the Washington football team $40,000, and his captaincy has been revoked. That, to me, is a bigger deal for a quarterback than the $40,000. You guys know I'm a giant Buckeye. I'm a giant Dwayne Haskins fan. I still think that if he gets out, he goes somewhere, has an opportunity with actual wide receivers, actual weapons anywhere, decent offensive line. I think he can at least be a solid NFL quarterback. Maybe I'm an idiot. We'll find out because he won't be there. Sounds like Juan Rivera in that basically front office is sick and tired of him. But a Buckeye that they're not sick and tired of right now, Chase Young. Just named to the Pro Bowl himself. He is the only rookie defender with a pro football focus grade over 65, and his is 80.6. Take that for what it's worth. Some people don't like pro football focus. You hear me say that every time, but I want you to form your own opinions. I just want to provide all the facts for you. Now, the Seahawks, they clinched a playoff berth this last week. They have a chance to clinch the division this next week. They have the Rams 
coming to Seattle. I'll break that down a little bit once we get to the betting portion. Don't want to spoil too much for you right now. Now, Russ's homes versus road splits this year have been staggering. The numbers are just not normal. On the road, 13 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. While at home, he's thrown 24 touchdowns to only 4 interceptions. And as you can imagine, the team is 6-1 and one at home. They're only 4-3 and three on the road. Now, the Washington defense deserves some of the credit, but Russell Wilson was held to 121 passing yards and effectively a 38-50 and a 50 yard run this last week by Carlos Hyde and Russell Wilson. That was basically their entire offense. Without those two runs, they were effectively held to 200 yards. That's why Washington's my pick. That's why they're my NFC's champion right now. It's important to think, though, or and wonder, ask yourself, is Russell Wilson going to host the Los Angeles Rams? Are you going to get that home version of the Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson? Last time they were at home, they did get upset by the New York Giants, and he didn't look particularly great. That'll be very interesting. Two teams right there that will be fighting for the their respective division titles this upcoming weekend. You know who won't be? The Chicago Bears and the Minnesota Vikings this last week. The Bears beat the Vikings. And now we're only a game out of the wild card spot. This team's been weird, man. They start the season 5-1. and one, Then they lose six straight. Now they've won two. Now we beat up on them a lot because Steven hates the, the Bears because he's a Packer fan. And he likes to give his buddy Adam Alfonso shit. So I got to give your buddy Adam a little respect, a little credit here. When I was watching this game with my buddy Josh Hoffner over here in Pittsburgh... I was actually getting ready to, to come on this show and walk back all my hate for Mitchell Trubisky. I was sitting there, I'm like, guys, you know what? He realistically, outside of the Packers game in Green Bay, they haven't lost a game he started this year. If he's able to not turn the ball over and he's a game manager, they have a decent... I mean, David Montgomery's been a monster lately. They're good enough, especially with that defense, to sneak into the playoffs. And then as soon as I felt like I was going to say all this, you have a chance to ice the game if you're the Bears. And Mitchell Trubisky throws a pick in the end zone. Lucky for them, Minnesota gave it right back. Or in Chicago was able to kick a field goal, be up by six with under a minute to go. But that's a, a huge red flag for everybody. If you're throwing a pick in the end zone there in that position at the end of the game, man, that's not good. So the question is, do I think that the Bears can make the playoffs? I mean, it's going to come down to the Packers in Week 17, and I don't think that they're going to beat the Packers. But if you win this weekend, maybe you get a little lucky that Arizona does lose. It's going to both be 8-7 and seven going into the final week. It could happen. Who knows? It's the NFL. You know what they say, any given Sunday. This was, too, the Bears' third straight game with 30-plus points, and that's the first time that's happened since 2013. You also, like I, I said before, David Montgomery, he's been tearing it up this last month. He had another 32 carries, 146 yards, and two touchdowns. They are trying to run it down your throat, make it easier on their quarterbacks, and that's the, that's the recipe. You need to run the ball. You need to make it easier on your quarterbacks. Put them in a position to succeed, not fail. Good luck to them. I think we're going to be talking next week about how it's do or die against Green Bay. But speaking of those Packers, the Packers inch closer to getting home field advantage in the NFC playoffs, which is a big deal, and I'll tell you why. They're 14-2 and at Lambeau since the start of last year, and that includes that playoff win against Seattle. You don't want to be going to Seattle. We know what happens when Green Bay's gone out there in the postseason this last decade. Bring them home. No one wants to play in five-degree weather with ice on the field 
it just fits Green Bay. It's just who they are. And I don't think anybody wants a piece of that, but it looks like it's going to happen. Someone's going to have to go into Aaron's house and beat him there. Now, as for this last week, they're up 21 to 3 at half, and they kind of coasted. They kind of coasted. We really haven't seen a full game from them very much at all this year. Only 291 yards for the Packers. For me, yeah, this was a little concerning for the offense, but I'm going to spin zone it. I think this is very encouraging to see from a defensive side of the ball. The defense picks you up. You don't expect that, especially with that Green Bay has been bitching about their defense for years. That is a big win. That is a very big win, especially when you see New Orleans host the Chiefs and lose. It's going to be very hard for the Packers not to clinch that number one seed now. As for the Panthers, all of a sudden, I can't help but think maybe they're in the quarterback sweepstakes come April. I already mentioned before, the Jets, they have the second pick as it sits, and they're really not sold on it. There's people saying that they might be interested in in selling that pick off. Would the Panthers be interested to move up? Or do the Panthers say, you know what, we're already in a pretty good spot right now. Maybe we just see if someone falls to us. Because it's not like Teddy Bridgewater is bad. He's just not in that caliber of quarterback that's going to win you anything. Just something to think about. Who knows? You know, amazingly enough, isn't going to be in the quarterback sweepstake this next year. The Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen Hurts, they're selling themselves on this kid hard, man. And there were some really good flashes. I won't sit here and deny it. Cardinals win. They do hold on. But that's not before Dallas Goddard drops a would-be touchdown in third and 21 and then going to lose. Jalen Hurts, like I said, had flashes. Number Stat lines look great if you don't look at the completion percentage. 24 of 44 for 338, three touchdowns. And here's what's crucial. 11 rushes, 63 yards, and a touchdown. Pennsylvania's dead. He's gone. Adios. Just a matter now of how much of the salary is Philadelphia going to eat and what's that trade going to look like wherever he ends up. But as for Jalen Hurts, you see it with Lamar. You see it with Kyler Murray, ironically enough, in this game. You see it with all these mobile quarterbacks. If you're able to get your legs going, you're able to get your arm going usually. It's going to take time for teams to adjust to this new offense with a mobile quarterback in Philadelphia. But maybe, just maybe, they have something going on there. I think it's too early to tell. I'm not going to rip him apart or say anything bad about him. Or I'm not going to be over here and shout his name from the rooftop yet. There's a lot more to see here. I was very unimpressed when he came in in Green Bay. But he did look better this week. So I'm going to give it time. But they're out of the playoffs. Ignore that. That's awesome. The Cardinals now. What is this team? We don't know. They're impossible to figure out. They're 4-0 against the NFC East. But they're 4-6 against the rest of the NFL. There's times their offense looks like world beaters. Like Bill O'Brien should literally be dragged into the street and tarred and feathered right now because DeAndre Hopkins had nine catches, 169 yards, and a touchdown. That guy's pretty good. I mean, it feels like Bill O'Brien was kind of sabotaging the Texans from the inside out. I mean, he probably was. I mean, the proof's in front of you. But the Cardinals, they're the team that's in front of the Bears right now. And right now, I think that they keep it up. I think they win. But here's the big deal is their schedule substantially harder down the stretch than the Bears. Yeah, the Bears have the Packers. That's a big deal. But the Cardinals could feasibly lose both of their final two games, which, again, reopens the door for the Chicago Bears. They host the 49ers this next week. 
And then following, they're going to travel to LA to face the Rams in a game that the Rams, if they manage to beat Seattle this week, they desperately need that to win the division. So I don't know where I'm going. I think I have to think about it. But the Cardinals could be there, and if they are, they're going to be challenging to get out. But there's a very good chance we're talking in two weeks about the Bears potentially going to New Orleans or the Bears going to Seattle instead of Arizona. I suppose time will tell. Now, the Jets this last weekend, I don't even know what to say. I really don't know what to say. I'm happy. I'm thrilled. I'm honestly genuinely thrilled for all the coaches and players on that New York Jets team. To be affiliated with 0-16 is remarkable, and it's so bad, and it's something you can never wash off. You don't have to worry about that. And I'm very happy you don't have to do that. At some point, the human element comes in, and that makes it tough for me. Two huge Jets fans, I'm so sorry. I am I am so, so sorry. You're not getting Trevor Lawrence, and it sounds like your front office is thinking about trading down. I don't know how you guys feel about that. I expect it to be a haul. And if it is a haul, you're probably going to have a split reaction from people. I'm sure half of the Jets fans will want a quarterback at two, and I'm sure half of them will be thrilled that they got a absolute truckload for that number two pick. Now, things might change. Jaguars might accidentally win a game. I don't see it happening, but we've seen weirder things. Now, I want to look over here now with the Rams for a second. They are down 17 before they basically wake up, and they move the ball to the rest of the game. Had a chance on their last drive, down three, 23 to 20. They had the ball at the 36 of New York's. Like fourth and four, they elect to go for it. It was interesting. I think that some people would argue you kick the field goal there, but what happens if you miss the field goal? Everyone and their mom is going to be telling you that was so dumb, you go for it. You are supposed to be a Super Bowl contender, and you were playing the 0-13 New York Jets. You go for it, you get it, and you go win the game. You're at home, you do that. It's unfair to me that you were would, that were Monday morning quarterbacking that decision. I think it was the right call. It didn't work. Sometimes that happens. The ageless Frank Gore catches a ball on third and six, falls backwards, and ices the game. And you lose. Here's the weird thing. It's really not that big of a deal if you're a a Rams fan. The only difference is, is now you have to win both of your last two games to win your division. But if you do win those last two games, it is your division to lose. Like, that is yours. You are NFC West champ. But room for error is gone. And I guess the question is, what makes this team so volatile? This is a team now that you can feel like can beat anybody in the entire NFL. But you lose at home to the Jets. I just I I'm hoping and I'm thinking that this is just an instance of coach and team looking ahead to the following game. I think that's all there is to it. I'm not going to look too much more into it unless they start struggling. Maybe if they lay another egg against Seattle, then I'll start worrying. But for now, it's just something to keep an eye on, keep in the back of your mind. The Pittsburgh Steelers now. Monday night, very similar game to what we were just talking about. They go to Cincinnati, where it seems like they've never lost. Going into the game, you have Big Ben, who has 50 wins, 9 losses, and 1 tie against Ohio teams. All you have to do, you win that game, you are AFC North champs. And Ryan Finley records his first win ever as a starter in the NFL. The offense completely didn't show up. 
Big Ben went one of 13 on passes beyond 10 yards at a line of scrimmage. Juju's getting assassinated in Pittsburgh media. What is going on? This is a team that I was close to picking to win the Super Bowl a few weeks ago, and now I don't know if they're even the favorites to win the AFC North anymore. They get to host the Colts this weekend, but if you lose that game, if you lose that game, the Cleveland Browns are going to beat the Jets. Jets aren't going to win another game. They're done. If you lose to the Colts, week 17, you are going to be looking at the Browns and the Steelers playing both at 11 and 4 for a chance to win the NFC or AFC North. Both of them. That's insane. The Steelers were 11 and 0 and they might finish 11 and 5 and have to play a road game in the playoffs. You also have another couple injuries at the linebacker positioning this last week on Monday as well. And now you bring the Colts in who can run the ball. You play a Colts defense that is one of the best in the NFL. I'm struggling, man. Not to mention, like I already said, Juju is getting beat up here in Pittsburgh. Mark Madden and his clan are going after him because he does TikTok dances on teams' logos before games. Is it immature? Yeah. Does it make the other team want to hit you harder? Yeah. Do I really think that it's affecting whether or not their team's winning or losing games? Not really. But I get it. I get why Mike Tomlin's making him stop. I get why Juju apologized, or not even apologized, but says he's done. I understand it, but it's not his fault. Immature, yeah. But let's not turn this into, he's not Antonio Brown like everybody here is trying to make him out to be. He's a kid that's dancing and having fun playing football. I'm not going to assassinate the kid. I'm not going to beat the kid up because he's trying to have fun. But there are problems in Pittsburgh. Big Ben's due, what, $41 million, I think, next year? And if he retires, $22 million a dead cap? That's tough. But do you start thinking to yourself, you know what, yeah, that is hard, but at least we save $19 million, and maybe we get a quarterback in there that can potentially help you win Super Bowls, because that's what the te- the goal is for a team like the Steelers. With the defense as good as the Steelers is, what is to stop them if the Jets are trying to move? What's to stop the Steelers from giving the farm up to trade up to number two and get a guy, whether that be Kyle Trask, whether that be Justin Fields, whether that be Trey Lance, I don't care. Who knows? It's just something to think about going forward, because I think right now the thing holding this Pittsburgh Steelers team back is their quarterback play, their lack of a running game. Because, I mean, it's yeah, it was halfway decent this last week. Bengals can't stop a nosebleed. But it wasn't as impressive as it should have been. There's problems in Pittsburgh. Big problems. And that's good for the Browns. Who took care of business on Monday Night Football. this Or Sunday Night Football. Against Freddie Kitchens, their former coach last year, in the New York Giants. Freddie Kitchens calling plays. They get six points. It seemed fitting. It felt right. So in the second time, the Browns have had 10-plus wins since it came back to Cleveland in 99. For a team with so much history and pride as the Cleveland Browns do, it's good for football when they're good. Might not like them, but it's good for the NFL when the Cleveland Browns are good at football. I already told you how I want to bring pro football focus and stuff like that in here. Read it as you will. I know some people don't like them. Some people do. For what it's worth, in the last four weeks, pro football focus passing grades. Number one, Aaron Rodgers at 91.9. 
At number two, Patrick Mahomes at 91.1. Number three, Baker Mayfield, 90.6. He's doing it. He is getting better. He's doing what we said he could. So happy Cleveland didn't give up on him. They deserve this. He deserves this. I hope to God that this is a Baker Mayfield that's here to stay. Because I trust that the Steelers are going to get their quarterback situation figured out. They're going to get a good one. And in that case, you're going to be looking at an AFC North with Lamar Jackson, with Joey Burrow, the Pittsburgh's quarterback, who, again, I think he'll be good just because that's what they do. And then Baker Mayfield. Look out. The Browns had eight more minutes of time of possession in this game without a good running game. That goes back to Baker Mayfield. Only five incompletions. He is locked in right now. He seems to be playing with confidence and swagger again. And honestly, we knew this was going to happen. And it's been happening in Cleveland for a month and a half. Are the Browns better without OBJ? I don't think so. But now you have to start wondering, especially with how much money he's making. Do You, you got to think about it. Big, big, big weekend coming up for the Browns and the Steelers. Who knows? Maybe next weekend won't mean anything. The Browns will be securely locked in to the wild card race, which, crazy enough, the most Cleveland Browns scenario ever. There is scenarios out there where they can miss the playoffs at 11 and 5, with seven teams going to the playoffs in the AFC. That's absurd. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's something to keep an eye on, though. Maybe next week. Who knows the way the conversation is going to go? But like I said, huge weekend coming up. Now, what we thought going into last weekend potentially was a battle of the best teams in each conference. The Chiefs traveled to New Orleans, beating the New Orleans Saints and Drew Brees. And they beat them pretty comfortably. Score doesn't say it. If you watch that game, there was not really ever a moment where you're like, wow, can the Chiefs lose this game? You never really felt like that. This was their 11th straight road win. They're going to clinch the one seed this weekend with either a win themselves, which they'll get, or a loss from either Pittsburgh or Buffalo. They're going to be the one seed the road's traveling through Arrowhead again. I don't know who's going to beat them. I don't know who's going to beat them right now. I, I really do think that the Titans, the Browns, those kind of teams that can run the ball well, that are getting halfway decent quarterback play, just protect the ball. That's your best bet. And I really realistically don't think either one of those teams could beat them. Chiefs had over 22 more minutes of time of possession this last week. This is their ninth 30-plus point game. They've not had one. Below 22. That is unbelievable coaching by Andy Reid. That is phenomenal quarterback play by Patrick Mahomes. And that is those skill position players like Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Nicole Hardman, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Good luck with the leg. That is those guys showing up week in and week out. Let's transition to the New Orleans Saints stuff. Drew Brees didn't complete a pass in the first quarter. He doesn't look very good. He looks washed. I hate saying it. I hate when guys like Big Ben, like Drew Brees, like Tom Brady, like Phillip Rivers, like all of these guys, they're losing it. They're not what they were. I hope that changes. I just don't, I don't, I think we're at the end of the, the line with these kind of guys. And we just have to be ready. That happens. Father time comes from everybody. Now the Saints, I don't want to say the season's over because I mean, hey, they win their division with a win or a Bucks loss. But do they get out? Do they go to Green Bay and get a win in the cold? Not with Drew Brees playing like that. Maybe it's because I'm up here in Pittsburgh. Steven's up here in Columbus. But I haven't heard any Saints fans doing the pull Drew Brees yet. Maybe it's because down south people are nicer. They're a little more patient. If that was up here, if that was up here in the Midwest slash the Northeast, 
You best believe people would be calling for his head already. Maybe they are. Maybe I haven't seen it. Important last couple weeks, though, for the Saints. They need to figure out if their offense is completely beyond saving or not. That defense is too good to be swarmed with that bad of a that bad of an offense right now. That does bring us, though, to the gambling aspect of the show. We are done with the games. I told you it's a little bit abbreviated today. Sorry about that. Just like I said, wanna wanna get this done editing. Wanna get out of here. It's 132 now. Let's do this. I have the FanDuel app in front of me. The FanDuel app is going to be giving me the lines from tonight. See what they are. I have Steven's picks too. We made them earlier. I'm going to speed through his real quick. Just fly through them, and then I'm going to come back and give you mine myself. What the hell's going on out here? So here you go. Steven's picks for this upcoming weekend. He has New Orleans covering minus seven at home against Minnesota. He has Tampa Bay covering nine and a half. On the road at Detroit. He has Arizona covering minus four and a half at home against San Francisco. He has Miami minus two and a half going to Las Vegas. He has Kansas City covering at home minus ten and a half against Atlanta. He has Jacksonville covering plus seven and a half at home against the Chicago Bears. He has the Houston money line at home against Cincinnati, but he has the Bengals covering plus eight. He's taking the over in the Cleveland at New York Jets game, which is set at 47. He has the Indianapolis Colts covering minus one and a half. The New York Giants covering plus 10 and a half going to Baltimore. He has Washington covering minus two and a half at home against the Carolina Panthers. He has the over of 49 in the Denver at LA uh, Chargers game, as well as the Chargers covering minus three. He has the Rams plus one and a half. And the under of 47 and a half going to Seattle. Then he has Philadelphia minus two and a half traveling to Dallas. He has Tennessee plus three going to Green Bay. And he wants to take the over on the prop of Derrick Henry rush yards. We didn't have a line directly in front of us, but his have typically been in the neighborhood of 100 to 115, 120 yards, which makes sense, especially this time of year. I kind of like that a lot too. And then last but not least, he has the Bills covering minus seven. At, or going to Foxborough to play Bill Belichick in New England in what is, I believe, their last home game of the year. Now, I'm going to go through mine now. Minnesota travels to New Orleans at minus seven. I am taking, and you're going to see this is a trend this week, love the favorites. Love this board as a favorites week. Big time. I just, I, I don't know. I think we're getting to that point of the year where Betting on playoff teams opposed to betting on teams with nothing to play for is typically the strategy I like to go with. And you're going to see that here, first of all. The Saints are playing and desperately need to win. I'd feel a lot better if this was minus 6.5. I think there's a pretty good chance that you're going to see a a push here. And speaking of pushes, I'm glad I brought that up. Last week, I went 14-16-2, which is by far not my, my best. Rough week for me. Took a couple gambles and lost multiple bets on the same games like the Raiders losing on Thursday night, probably betting with my heart instead of my brain there. Steven, on the other hand, he went like eight, six and two. If I remember correctly, he had a better week. You'll win a couple dollars. If you went with him, you probably lost a couple units. If you went with me, but I'm going to try to help you get them back this week. And you're going to start that by getting the saints minus seven in their money line this weekend. Just don't think Minnesota is going to be able to do it. I think Dorrance is going to be able to slow up Dalvin cook enough that they're going to make the Vikings struggle to score points 
And I do think New Orleans is yet or is going to kind of do the opposite this next week, where they're going to have a much more focused attack on time of possession. They need to have the ball more than what 18 or 19 minutes. Can't do that. Can't do that in the NFL. That kills you more than just one week. I'm also going to be betting on their division rival, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, minus nine and a half, going to Detroit. Yeah, Tampa Bay will not be the NFC South champion after New Orleans wins the game earlier. But I think Tampa Bay at least feels very good, maintains that inside track I was talking about to the number five seed in the NFC. Detroit, they just look like they've given up. This is a lost year if I've ever seen one. The Buccaneers, offense looks like they figured out a bit. Tom Brady threw for almost, well, I want to say 390 off the top of my head. You have guys like AB starting to feel a little better. That, that can be a scary offense. And if the offense gets going, they're going to cover this game and they're going to cover it easily. Now, San Francisco is traveling to Arizona. Arizona is a four and a half point home favorite. I know that San Francisco has also been playing in Arizona because of COVID and all the weird stuff that's going on up there in San Francisco. Very harsh laws out there in California that's making it. So San Francisco has to play somewhere else. I still like Arizona because, again, they're playing for something. San Francisco is coming off that just a egregious loss. Four turnovers look just piss poor. Even though they have, like, just brutal, brutal from Nick Mullins. Might see C.J. Bethard or Bethard, however you say it, that damn Iowa quarterback. I think there's a good chance you see him again. And if you do see him, I like Arizona even more. I think the Cardinals are going to win. I think they're going to cover simply behind Kyler Murray and the desperation this entire team is going to represent. Unfortunately, now I've got to talk about the Las Vegas Raiders, who are hosting the Miami Dolphins this upcoming week. The Dolphins are two-and-a-half-point road favorites. Hard to blame Vegas here. Not the Vegas Raiders. That They're easy to blame. But it's hard for me to blame uh, Vegas for saying that Miami's going to go on the road and beat them. I think right now, the Vegas Raiders could make me look like a competent NFL quarterback. It's weird. It's like you watch that team, and the quarterback drops back. There's never any pressure. And there's just some guy running across the field 20 yards, wide open, wide open. And I think it's going to be the game where Miami's like, oh my God, I think we got something. This two guy's pretty good. That's what's going to happen. And they're going to win. They're going to cover. I'm done betting on the Raiders. I know Derek Carr's going to be coming back. And I have like a huge man crush on him. I understand all those things. I am in the anger stage still of the five stages of grief. So I'm picking out a hate. And I'm apathetic. I'm done. Everything about it. I'm done with the Raiders. They're dead to me until till August. Probably pick them to go 16-0, and win the Super Bowl. But th- we're not there. We're not there. It is December, and this is an all-too-familiar feeling. Whatever. Damn it. Ugh, fired up. Anyways, the Atlanta Falcons traveling to Kansas City. Kansas City is a 10.5-point favorite. I'm taking the Chiefs all day. You know how I've, I've got an addiction this year. I can't not bet Patrick Mahomes. I cannot bet the Kansas City Chiefs. I cannot bet Arrowhead. Chiefs are going to win. They covered by 10.5. There's not much to say here. I feel like the best course of action for the Chiefs is to fall behind 17-0. Because, I mean, Atlanta doesn't know how to play football with a lead. There, I just don't physically know a way where Atlanta can win this game. So I won't talk about it much more. You know that I think KC's got the best roster in the NFL, and I think that it's not particularly close. The Falcons lose. Take the Chiefs' money line. Chiefs cover 10.5. I feel pretty good about that one. Now to the Chicago Bears going to Jacksonville. Bears are 7.5-point favorites. I've already talked. I don't know. I don't even know if I would call what I said glowingly high. 
But I'm trying to give them a little bit of credit because I do think they deserve credit. They're 7-7 seven and seven for a reason. You only play the teams on your schedule. And the Raiders are perfect proof. I just talked about them having the easiest part of their schedule in the second half. And what have they done? They went from 6-3 and three to 7-7. Seven and seven. You still have to win the games. And the Bears are 7-7 seven and seven because they've won seven games. Credit where credit is due. They're going to win this game. It's going to be close because that's what they also do. I'm taking the Bears in like a 24-20 kind of game here. They win. Jaguars cover. Jaguars fans are a little, they're sweating in the fourth quarter a little bit. Like, no, do not accidentally win this game. You cannot do this to me. I don't think they do, but man, it's close. It is close. Bears win, but the Jaguars cover. And the Jaguars, you know what they say? Good teams win, great teams cover. The Jaguars are great this weekend. The Bengals are traveling to Houston to face Deshaun Watson and the Texans and whatever grocery store clerk that's a wide receiver these days down there. The Bengals coming off the biggest win for them in years. I think you get a major letdown game. I think the Bengals all but are ready to just smoke their cigars, pop some champagne. It reminds me, I'm sure you guys have seen the meme before where there's a guy popping champagne biting the metal, and he's standing third on like the podium. That's kind of how it feels like the Bengals after beating the Steelers, where they're like fourth in the division, but they're absolutely living their best life right now. They could not care less about the rest of the year. Texans win and cover purely because the Bengals don't show up. Now the Cleveland Browns are going to the Jets. Another instance where I'm going to hammer the favorite, and I'm going to hammer them to cover. The Browns are minus nine and a half. I think they get it done. I think they win by more than 10. Similarly to the Bengals game I just mentioned, I think that the Jets are so overwhelmed and happy about the last game. I think they don't show up anymore. Sam Darnold's looked better this year in the last little bit. It's going to be too hard to stop this offense right now. The Browns are rolling. They. It seems like every time I see the Browns with the ball, they're moving it, running down the field. All of a sudden, now you have Baker, who's a threat too. Browns win. They cover easy. But as important as that game is, the Browns are going to be, and their fans, are going to be watching this other game just as closely. The Indianapolis Colts are minus one and a half point favorites going to Pittsburgh and Heinz Field. The Colts are going to win and they're going to cover. I have been picking the Steelers week in and week out all season because I truly believe they were the second best team in the league. That is unfortunately done. You lose four linebackers. It might be three. I think Avery Williamson's back. But you lose three linebackers. You lose Bud Dupree. You lose Eric Ebron in that game. James Conner's hurt. Big Ben looks like a shell of himself. The Colts have a good rush offense against your struggling defense with no linebackers. That defense, the Colts defense, is walking in one of the best in the league, and you can't throw it beyond 10 yards up the field. You're going to see the Colts stack the box, play a man, let you beat them once or twice. If you throw long, they'll live with that. The Colts are going to win. They're going to cover. I, I'm actually surprised it's only one and a half. I think Vegas is still kind of like I was up until this week, trying to be extra. Like Pittsburgh deserves the respect. They were 11 and 0 for a reason. Unfortunately, that's not the same team. It's not the same roster anymore. Colts win. They cover. Sets up for an epic week 17 matchup between the Steelers and the Browns. The Ravens are 10.5-point favorites at home against the New York Giants. This is one of the rare occasions this week. I am not taking the favorite to cover. I do think they'll win, though. The Ravens win. I think the Giants, because of how much they have to play for, and they have a good defense, I think they're able to keep Lamar in check and at least keep it close. I think they keep it close. This is a game going into the fourth quarter. You think the Giants could win, 
But realistically, we all know Baltimore is going to walk away with this at the end of the day. Baltimore is going to win, but it's close. It is a close game. They win, Giants cover. Staying in their division, though, Carolina is traveling to Washington. With a Giants loss and a Washington win, it's all but over, baby. The Washington football team can do it. They're minus two and a half at home. I think they win. I think they cover. I think they're celebrating as much as you can with a COVID situation, but they are going to be celebrating. Now, if Alex Smith plays this game, I think that it pretty much cements the Dwayne Haskins is never going to be start or playing in a Washington football jersey again. It would also be a really cool story to see Alex Smith come back from that just catastrophic leg injury to win the division. Would they be really a realistic threat in the NFC? No. But it'd be a great story. And we know what happened with Beastquake when the Seahawks caught in at 7-9. and nine. Who's to say Washington can't upset and, and stun somebody? In a way, Tampa Bay has been so up and down this year. May just be Tom Brady and the Bucks. Now, Denver's traveling to the Chargers. Chargers are three-point favorites. Not really much to say here except for I think that the Chargers finally got it going a little bit. They're going to have a little bit of confidence now, finally getting a win in a close game where it felt like before, if it was a close game, the team just was waiting for something to go wrong. I think this is where the, the wheels start churning. Justin Herbert gets this team believing in him, and the Chargers win this game. They cover. Denver continues to struggle, and I I don't know. I think this is where you're going to start. If you're a Chargers fan, you're one of the eight of them out there. You start getting fired up about the future. Because you have a franchise quarterback. You have franchise players on that defense. You just need a year for once in your life to get healthy. You're likely going to be moving on from Anthony Lynn. You're going to have a coach that you can be fired up about. It's one of the best job jobs out there. Like People are going to line up to move to L.A. to have Justin Herbert as your quarterback. Good times coming in the future for the Chargers. You just have to put up with the bullshit until then. The Los Angeles Rams are traveling to Seattle. Seattle is a point and a half favorite. I have been on the Seahawks all year. I have been doubting the Rams all year. And it's time for a heel turn, baby. I'm saying the Rams not only cover the one and a half, so of course, but they are going to win. The Rams are going to walk in there. You're going to see the road Seattle Seahawks, even though they are in Seattle in front of the no fans, 12th man, but whatever. The Rams are going to win this game. Cam Akers balling out. You're going to keep seeing the Rams defense play well. Aaron Donald play well. I know they looked like shit against the Jets last week. I'm convinced they looked like shit because of this game. I think they were just really just looking forward. Irresponsible as it may be, I think they get a win because of it. Then it turns into week 17. Who gets it done? But I am taking the Rams. I'm taking Sean McVay in a very, very fun game. The game of the week to me without doubt. But I take the Rams to win. I take the Rams to cover. Now, my hated Philadelphia Eagles, not even the team so much. I just don't like, because there's no reason. You guys are probably like, why do you hate a team that is in the NFC? You're an AFC fan. If I, I mentioned my hockey love. I am a diehard Pittsburgh Penguins fan. I'm a diehard Pittsburgh Ginzer myself. In my heart, I am, will be Pittsburgh forever. Anything Philadelphia is wrong, Sheets is better than Wawa. Our accents are better than your accents. Yin's is better than you's. Go to hell, Philly. Saying all that, you guys got a good one in Jalen Hurts. As of right now, we'll see. I think Jalen Hurts has another good game this week. You guys cover two and a half. The Eagles win. They cover. I'm done talking about you. That was my say something nice about the Eagles. Tennessee now. 
Traveling to Stevens Green Bay Packers. Lambeau Field starting to get cold. I'm going with Derrick Henry. I'm going with the Tennessee Titans. Not only to win or to cover this game, but they're going to win. This is my, realistically, the only real upset I have this week. I have the Rams, who are plus one and a half. But otherwise, I don't have any upset winners. It's a very, very chalk slate. I know I'm boring right now, but I'm picking Tennessee to win. I'm picking Tennessee to cover. I think that Derrick Henry goes off, which would also, you heard Steven talk about the over of Derrick Henry rushing yards. I kind of second that most, and I think that's a great pick. I think that they're going to ride him. And I think they're going to have 35 minutes of possession. And that's what you're going to have to do to beat Aaron Rodgers. Keep the ball out of his hand. Titans win. They cover. But the Packers are fine. Packers are still going to get the one seed. This is a hiccup in the road for them. Last but not least, the Buffalo Bills. Seven-point favorites traveling to Foxborough. I have them winning. I have them winning and covering easily. This is an exercise your demons kind of game. You have been the little brother to New England for years. They have made fun of you for years. You've not won a division title since 1995. The Patriots have like 88 of them in that same stretch. This is your chance to just really give it to them. And I think they are. I think they're going to into it. And the fans are going to go into it as a therapeutic way to, re, like I said, exercise your demons. I think the Bills win. I think they win big. I think the Patriot players are very ready for this year to be over. It's very easy to have the Patriot way work when things are going well. When you're going 500 and nobody gives a shit, or under 500 in this case, they're going to... I think it's a lot harder to be a Patriot, do the right things. You want to go home. It's COVID. It's Christmas time. You don't want to show up for a Buffalo Bills team that is physical, that is got a good defense that has a guy like Josh Allen who can lower his shoulder and run through you, but he can throw it 70 yards over the top of you too. Bills win, they cover. And you know what that means? It's over. It's over. That is the end of another episode of Loss of Down. I know Steven wants me to also thank you guys. You guys really do mean a lot to us. I know that we haven't expanded too much as of yet. We will try to do better in the new year. This is more of a a, a get the hang of it kind of a flow right now. As you can see, we're struggling with a little bit of the tech side. We're getting there. We're getting there. It will take time. We'll be much smoother come playoffs. We love you guys. Happy holidays to each and every one of you. Remember to follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. All of those should be at loss of down, except for Twitter, which is at down underscore loss. I made that. That's me being an idiot. We love you guys. Stay safe out there. Enjoy this weekend slate. And we've got more football coming back for you next week. One more week. One more week, guys, after this one. And then we got NFL playoff football. Who would have thought that was possible six months ago? What a day. But again, happy holidays. Merry Christmas, you guys. You're the best. For Stephen Weed, I'm Wally Lukashinsky, and this is Loss of Down. 